0: Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. Hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening. In this episode we'll be hearing more stories about people across Canada experiencing some kind of contact from beyond the grave. Henry got in touch with me after seeing one of my ads downtown and came to the studio to record several stories. Most of this first story was also included at the end of the last episode Friendly Ghosts where Henry told me how you can smell ghosts. It came up after we had a conversation about Ouija boards. I'm hoping to get more Ouija board stories to perhaps have their own episode. For this episode, our theme will be to focus in again on stories about paranormal experiences that seem to show contact from the spirits of those whose bodies are no longer in the picture. If you're skeptical of ghosts, I hope you'll still listen to the episode and keep an open mind, especially for the story in the middle of the show from my family friend Wendy about a paranormal experience relating to their grandfather clock. We'll also be hearing more stories from Sarah from Ottawa, but first again, here's Henry.
1: For any of your viewers out there, and this is from honesty, you can see for yourself, but my personal belief about Ouija Board is that it it works. It really does work. But the problem I find with Ouija Board, which is how I'll segue into my story, is that you have a hard time controlling what spirits get conjured. A lot of times people use it to communicate to a specific person in the hopes that they'll answer so you can learn from it as a cautionary tale. Uh, the Ouija board, for those who don't know what that is, is basically an old board made of wood or whatever. It's supposed to guide your hand for communicating a message or a spirit. When a, my brother was a teenager, is he had a Ouija board, and he decided out of the blue, okay, you know what, I thought it'd be kind of cool, because he's into a lot of tarot and stuff at the time. He would use the Ouija board to try to communicate one of our uh, family members. I never was there when it happened, but my room was beside his when he did it. And as soon as he did it, really, like, kind of scary, bad things started to happen. For the first few days, almost like the movie Ghostbusters, where things fly out of the shelves, is we'd open up a cupboard and cans would fly out of the shelf. The first time, which is, you know, logic, you think, oh, maybe he stacked it too much. But when it starts happening a a bunch of days, you start to realize, you know, something weird is happening. But this is when it starts to get really bad. You know, movies always show ghosts or whatever in different ways. So you can either, you can sometimes see them or you hear them. But a lot of people don't realize is that you can smell them. What happened was, is we had this spirit. I don't know what it was. I, I don't, you know, I don't make up what I see. I just tell you what my experience is. But it was this really strong, running egg smell. And the thing that I... Why I'm 99% sure is this spirit is not only is it start happening after these cans flying out of the shells, but the smell would sort of like kind of like a fog. So you know, like a movie, you see a ghost that moves around. So it's kind of like it's like a it's like a floating, uh, rotting egg smell that wouldn't fill the entire room. It would only go for certain parts in the room, and for whatever reason, it always would be in our living room. And so we would, and what we would know this is that uh, is it would be in a certain room. And then all of a sudden it would disappear and we'd go to other spaces in the room. So like for a smell, for to to move around, that's, I don't know.
0: Can I tell you something?
1: Last week I had
0: the strangest experience for the first time in my life and I didn't know what to make of it at all. I was basically right where you're sitting a couple feet over, but I was standing up. And I suddenly smelled this intensely fragrant smell, which was similar to frankincense, but it wasn't frankincense similar to different kind of fragrant woods but it wasn't it was different but it was very intense very very intense and I thought what is that smell where does that smell come from that's so weird and then I took one step the smell went away and it's gone I took a step back it was there took a step in the other direction smell's gone so I walked around the room trying to see where's this smell coming from and then I ducked my head down no smell there was only this one tiny, tiny spot of the room. It's a like one square foot spot or whatever. And this spell was so strong. And just thinking about it now, when I was 13, I had a bar mitzvah, because I'm Jewish. And I had a family friend teach me. His name was Michael Rumak, and he passed away recently. And he taught hundreds of people their bar bat mitzvah how to sing and stuff. And he had a tiny synagogue that he built basically out of like a garage turned it into a synagogue and i remember him telling me that one of the most important things that he'd done for it was to collect these incenses from around the world he had traveled and he had these really fragrant incenses and he had them in different spots in in there so that he said that the smell of it was supposed to elevate your senses and kind of get you ready for kind of doing something spiritual Wow. And that was my first introduction to incense or anything like that. And he only passed away last month. I was just recently at the synagogue for the service to remember him. And I spoke to the rabbi and my mom made me tell him about the show. And I wonder if Michael was there and he heard.
1: Yeah, you never know. Like, uh, it's funny to say that because related to this, the story I had with the smell is it was similar is it's just like, Whenever i leave the room, it would be gone. But whenever I was there and tried to address it, it's just strange. It's, that's when you know it's, that it's real, is when it starts to disappear and reappear.
0: Think about how against the odds is it? You see my poster, we get in touch, we talk about this, and you bring up almost first thing that you can smell ghosts. Yeah. I'd never thought of that before.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I've only had it actually twice, and there's actually a story that I'll just tell you this off the top of my head. So I have this on-and-off girlfriend, that uh one time she uh she told me one of her closest friends passed away and one time and i've never met this person in my life all of a sudden i felt like this person was there i don't even never i've never seen a photo of this person all i knew is what her name was i didn't hear anything and i smelled this strong sense of like lavender and i asked her i said she, she used to wear a lavender perfume and she started crying but that's only happened twice in my life so Like a lot of people, yeah, that they always think of, you know, seeing or hearing, but smells and telling, sometimes you can smell.
0: Actually, now that I remember Coogan, who told a story about his car being haunted, he actually did mention that there was a smell that he kind of associated with it. Yes, he definitely said that he had a smell that he associated with this ghost, who he actually knew who the ghost was, because he'd he'd known the woman who'd owned the car, and she'd committed suicide.
1: Well, I'm curious, is... uh when it happened, the smells. Once I happened during the day, but most of the time, did you find it happen at nighttime? Or? it's
0: only happened once, and it was at night.
1: Because night. I find that it's, it's the one thing the movies get right for whatever reason. I do find that at nighttime, they seem to come out. I know it sounds like corny, like a horror movie, but I don't know what it is.
0: Maybe it's us as well. Maybe it's something with us. Maybe we're a bit more aware at night because, you know, you get up in the day and you're focused on what are you going to do today and then doing it, and, you know, At night, you start to relax, and it's kind of only when you start to relax that you start to think about your day, think about your memories, and kind of tune into that mind space, where you can get into the kind of meditation, but you could also maybe be much more receptive. Highly receptive is a great way you could describe this next storyteller. Sarah is a returning guest who told her story about a car crash in Episode 7, Extrasensory Perception. Sarah also told me a ton of stories about different experiences that she and those close to her have had of contact from beyond the grave. And her ability to see spirits is a gift. Later in the episode, you'll hear more of her stories. I spoke to her over the phone from Ottawa.
2: Lately it's been my father. Shortly after he died, my stepmother is laying in bed and she can't rest, she's stressed, she's sad, and she said, all of a sudden, I felt his hand on my side, like he would normally put his hand and the pressure, it calmed right down. And that actually happened to me one day. My husband was at work, and my baby was napping, and I'm in bed, and my brain, like, I was so angry, I could not shut my brain off. And I felt this weight on my shoulder, like his hand. And I feel that often, if I'm upset, I'll feel him kind of like, okay, calm down. Your heart's gonna explode. Calm down, you know? With my dad's death, my stepmother was at the hospital and called her father to come to the hospital. He got there and he was walking in This is a story he told me. He says, I walked down the hall. I saw your dad walking away from me in his leather jacket. And he's laughing, talking to somebody. My dad had a very distinctive voice. So you know it's him. He found my stepmother and he's like, what's going on? And she goes, Wayne died. What do you mean Wayne died? I just saw him walking down the hall. I just saw him talking to somebody, walking down the hallway. My dad was six four, and he wasn't fat. He was very in good shape, and he had that voice. He had that that cough and and that laugh. It's like you, you could pick him out of a room of a thousand people. He told me that at the funeral, and I was like, oh my god.
0: I won't make you suffer through any more of my awful French pronunciation, sorry. After all, there is a reason I needed a tutor, and it was to pass the class. My mother and Wendy have been good friends for a long time, and it was through my mother that I first heard this next story about a grandfather clock. I went to Wendy's house, in the same neighborhood that I grew up in, to hear all of her story. And it turned out, as these things tend to, that she had more than one.
3: My father passed away in 1976 from lung cancer. It was a pretty quick illness, which left all of us relatively shocked. He got sick on Father's Day and died on August 10th, so six weeks was it. I guess because of the suddenness of it, we were all reeling and trying to just get our feet back on the ground, including my mother, who was not interested at all in finding a new partner. But about a year after my dad died, her boss wanted to set her up with a person who was doing all the advertising for their company. I think he was either recently widowed or recently divorced. So they set up a date. He came to pick up my mother one Friday night and he came into the house and he was very respectful and polite and was admiring things. But What really caught his eye was the grandfather clock which my father had made. And this was my father's pride and joy. He had done a lot of woodworking in the past, which culminated in this project of this beautiful grandfather clock, which chimed on the hour and then every quarter hour. When he was in the living room, he admired many things but really spent most of the time looking at this grandfather clock which was it kind of had a pride of place but it was also behind the dining room table in such a way that you wouldn't possibly jiggle it or touch it inadvertently my mother explained how much it meant to the family and then they went out for their date because it was such a sort of special piece of furniture Nobody, as I mentioned, touched it. And sometimes it would go for a while without having been wound up. And the way you wind up a grandfather clock is by taking the chains which are inside and they are all attached to various weights and you pull the weights down, which then causes the wheels and the cogs to turn. And that's what keeps it working mechanically. But from time to time, my mother didn't do it all the time and sometimes it was just sometimes irritating having the chime every quarter hour. She could not be certain if she had wound it recently or not, but the next morning when she came downstairs and she was in the kitchen and it seemed kind of more silent than than normal Mm. and in fact the clock wasn't ticking for sure. So she went into the dining room and grandfather clocks have glass doors so that you could actually see the pendulum shifting. So she opened the door and she went to pull the chains to get it wound and she discovered that all the chains had knots in them. Each chain had a knot which would have stopped it from being able to be caught in the cogs. So it was not like even like you could have just tied them together. This was much more like a premeditated thing where Mm -hmm. each chain had a knot in it, which I caused see, like a it tight. Yeah, a so tight it room. could not get through the cogs. And it would have taken a fair bit of time. Like, it's not as though my mother could have gone to the washroom and this guy could have opened the door, knotted all the chains, <sighs> and closed the door. I mean, I don't think she ever left him alone in the living room anyway. Both my brother and I would never even have. Like, I don't think either of us has ever wound that or pulled the chains. I could tell you for certain that I never touched that clock. In my whole life, I've never even opened the door. And certainly nor had my brother. That was one of those things nobody touched. Only my dad wound it or my mother after he passed away. When she discovered they were all knotted, she was really taken aback. Not necessarily frightened. She took it as more of a message from my father that he was not happy with her seeing this man or else he didn't like this man. And this was the way of being able to give her a signal. So she never saw the man again. (laughs) I'm not even certain if he tried to ask her out again. Maybe he picked up some bad vibe as well. (laughs) As I mentioned, my father had lung cancer, and he spent most of his dying time at home in my parents' bedroom because he had lung cancer, I guess, probably in any kind of illness, there's a lot of tissues being used. My mother was a bit of a neat freak in the sense that there was always a bag to put those used tissues in. And it was always like just a bit of a deal, you know, don't leave used tissues out. Anyway, after he died, it was really hard for her to get around and feel up to even cleaning the bedroom, the sick bedroom. Eventually she did. She took all the rugs off the floors. She vacuumed everything. She mopped everything. Everything was pristine and she left the windows open just to get the air clean and she was really feeling proud of herself. Went downstairs to take out all the garbage and make a cup of tea. And She came back upstairs very shortly after that and there smack in the center of this beautifully polished wooden floor was a crumpled up used tissue. She actually thought that was really funny that this was my father's way of playing a joke. And she found that really, really comforting. And she you know, threw the tissue away.
0: A few weeks ago, I published Henry's one story about his experience at the haunted Gibraltar Point Lighthouse as a way of letting people know about the annual open-door event there, which was coincidentally happening that very weekend. That was the first thing he told me about when we got in touch over Facebook a month ago. It was barely scratching the surface, though, of his numerous experiences and his interesting perspective on different psychic phenomena. If you'd like to hear more stories like his and others, you can always contribute a buck or two towards the Supernatural Stories Patreon page. I spend quite a bit of time and money putting up posters around Toronto and creating sponsored posts on Facebook. All of this is so that people who have experienced the supernatural can get in touch and share their stories. Thank you to everyone who can contribute, but truly everyone can also help with this mission to bring these stories to light by sharing the show and telling a friend about it. And you can also leave a review on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you listen to the show. If we want to make ghosts, spirits, and what have you be more accepted by the culture at large, we need to keep talking about them. If you have a story yourself, you can get in touch at www.supernaturalstories.ca, which redirects you to the Facebook page, where you can send a message to me and get in touch to maybe tell your story on the show. Now let's hear Henry talking about how dreams can be one method for spirits to initiate contact, as well as sharing some more spiritual pointers.
1: So, my belief, and this is from experience that I've done when I used to be a professional psychic, if there's any time that someone close to you, not someone that you just kind of know, someone close to you, whether it be a friend or a family member, passes away, I'd say within like the first few weeks is the best time to try to communicate something to them or for try to get them to communicate something to you through uh, dreams. I've had an experience where after my friend passed away, kind of like a dream, but I kind of felt like it wasn't a dream. I didn't see anything. All I felt was this really short was my friend high-fiving me. And that was it. And that was just short, and I woke up. I feel like sometimes the reason why they communicate when you're sleeping or whatever is that maybe that's an easier way to try to communicate for you.
0: Something else that makes me think about, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, Joe Rogan Experience, recently, and they were talking about the importance of sleep And they got into how when you're sleeping, your brain is more active than when you're awake. It's actually much more active, and it's operating at a higher speed. And they can do these tests on the brain, and they found out something like um, your brain is is replaying memories at something like a 20 times speed. (laughs) Whipping through there when you're dreaming at a very high speed. So I also think about, well, if we're experiencing psychic phenomena and ghosts and stuff while we're awake, that somehow is like related to our brains, some functioning maybe of the way that we think and everything. And maybe that when we're asleep, in the same way that our brains are operating at a higher level than when we're awake, maybe our psychic power is also stronger when we're asleep. And that maybe that makes it easier for people to contact you because you're more psychically receptive.
1: I think another thing that helps, I was never into gemstones, rocks, everyone to call it, but uh, there's this one stone that I swear by it. It's this one called You site, which is sometimes called the TV stone. And what a lot of people do is they put it behind their bed and it, it aids in dreams. And I specifically got it for that reason. You know, that's when I had that experience with my friend. I feel that some stones can also help aid you, you know, in terms of communicating with, with spirits too, which is what I believe.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, as you can see, I'm a rock collector. Yeah. <laughs> I really, one of my life goals is to get a giant amethyst. Have you been up to Bancroft at all? Uh, no. So Bancroft is about three hours northeast, And that's where there's a huge quartz, amethyst, etc. deposit. Like a huge one. I can't even stress how large it is. So you can go into the caves. You can pay, it's like $10 for a cave tour or something. And then I think you pay something like $8 a pound for quartzes and and amethysts that you take out. And they're awesome. They're these huge ones that are, like, so big you can hardly move them.
1: Oh, wow. That, well, that's interesting to say that is uh, Amethyst, especially if there's any psychics out there. They, amethyst is one of the most common colors if you see any psychic pairs the color purple. And Amethyst is purple. And a lot of people, not, like, hardcore into chakras, but there's uh, chakras, which is supposed to help with, like, your intuition, for eye and stuff. And it's interesting you're talking about Amethyst because Amethyst also is a very strong intuition stones so that's that's another stone that's used to to help that sort of thing too so like like I used to I I started to get into crystals because of feng shui but also people need to think too is where you place it in your room and I never was into feng shui at all I always thought it was a bull bull, to be honest but I started to get into it and then I started to notice differences and uh like I was gonna say like the thing I find really kind of messed up is that that's actually why I felt so bad it was the first day that I started to get into feng shui and crystals and I started to get all these images and stuff like that. Is That was the reason why I, I couldn't go meet my friend that day when he died is because I started to get into that and I felt I really wanted to change it. And if I instead of thinking myself was there, I could have saved him. But uh, all I'm saying is that feng shui and if you start using crystals and stuff, it really does work and, and can help with uh, some of these spiritual things, I think.
0: Henry will be back in some future episodes with stories about tarot cards and more experiences of contact from beyond the grave. These next stories are all from Sarah, who we heard from earlier over the phone from Ottawa.
2: I babysat from my brother. The boys were young. They were going to a concert, and we were sitting at the dining room table. And I was sitting at the wall. Behind me That was a mirror, and my brother was on the other side of the table, and behind him was... the opening to the kitchen and to the left of me was the stairs going up. And we were chatting and I happened to catch something out of the corner of my eye. There was an older lady standing in the stairs. She was hazy. Like, she wasn't transparent, but she was grey, if that makes sense. She was wearing a white polka dot dress and she had gray curly hair like I could see her but it was like a black and white photo almost I looked up and I looked again and then I kind of put my eyes to the table and my brother's like what and I'm like nothing and he goes what and I'm like nothing she was gone late when he came home that night he goes earlier when we were at the table what and I said I saw Sheila's grandma And my brother started crying. And he's like, I see her here all the time. He's like, I'm so glad somebody else saw her. When I had met her in the past, that's how I saw her. I hadn't seen an aunt and a cousin in 15 years, we'll say. I surprised them at their home in northern Ontario. My uncle had passed years prior. I walked up to their house, and you could feel him around the house so much. And as soon as I walked in the door, it was like he was right there. And my aunt was like, do you feel your uncle here? Out of the blue. The weirdest thing to say. And as we walked up the stairs, she's like, oh, do you feel your uncle here? Uh, yeah. Right there, you know? It was kind of crazy. To me, that was kind of comforting that he wasn't just dead. That perhaps that was him carrying on.
0: Hearing this and knowing that it's possible even, I think, is very comforting to people. I hope you've gotten something positive out of this episode, or at least allowed the stories to open your mind a little. All of these were real stories from real people. No one was told what to say, no one was paid anything to be on the show, and no one has any reason to make up any of these stories. Next episode, the show is going to do something special. Now that we've finished the first 10 episodes, I'm going to bring you a special two-part episode. In it, Bernard will be telling stories about his whole life of out-there, supernatural, mystical experiences. Starting off, in part one, Growing Up in Arizona and then finishing with part two, moving to Toronto. I hope that this show keeps giving me great opportunities to discover and share more of these wonderful stories. Please consider, if you can contribute anything to the show on our Patreon page, to go to patreon.com supernaturalstories supernatural stories and give a buck or two. Or let your friends know about the show. I appreciate you continuing to listen and especially to send in your stories and support this podcast. Here's the last one for now from Sarah.
2: My grandma died. I was six or seven, and we were staying at my aunt's house. I was sleeping in the living room with my cousins. This woman appeared in the doorway. It was my grandma.
0: Was she see-through, or was she looked like she was just there?
2: She was just there. She was just standing there. And I remember looking, and I wasn't afraid. Kind of motion, put your head back down, go back to sleep, and that was it. I saw my grandma. And that grandma was clairvoyant, and my aunt told me that. My aunt, when she dreams of certain things, something bad's gonna happen. It seems like it's come down the family a little from my grandma to my aunt. I wasn't very open to it. My grandfather died years ago, like when I was little. When I lived with my parents, he used to come and sit on the edge of my bed and smoke a cigarette. Well, my parents didn't smoke in the house, so I used to tell him, Grandpa, you can't smoke in here, and he'd get up and leave, but you could feel the bed. Eventually, just stopped coming. And I told my aunt that, and apparently that used to happen to my grandma, too. She used to sit on the edge of her bed.
0: Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting A Place for the Supernatural. I'm your host, Cal Goodbaum. These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. The music featured in this show was by Trez Tristis Tangos with Kola Micah, Eric Thorfinson with RFG, Arrington to Dionysia with Gamba and Gamblin' Gandrak Lombok, take one. Blue Dot Sessions with Slow Dial and Marjorie. The rest are original tracks I composed for the show. If you want to contribute a buck or more towards the production of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash supernatural stories. The funds can help pay for the sponsored posts and post campaigns which attract story submissions. If you have a story of your own to contribute, you can do that at supernaturalstories.ca. Till next time.